Welcome to Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series in the hospitality tabletop industry. Hosted by Dave Turner, Seat Yourself is 20 to 25 minutes of what's happening in the world of hospitality tabletop. Dave is the globally known chief evangelist and editor for tabletopjournal.com. A non-traditional journalist, Dave has spent nearly 30 years as a sales and marketing executive in the world of hospitality. This podcast was originally published on the week of August 26, 2019, and runs for approximately 25 minutes. Hi everyone, Dave here, and I want to welcome you back to another episode of Seat Yourself, our weekly podcast where we bring you all things hospitality tabletop related. We're back at our home base of Baltimore now, here on America's East Coast, and we're excited to be back, preparing for what we're sure is going to be a great fall season. With our brand new second podcast, titled Every Other Thursday, debuting in late September, we're busy with demos, finalizing formats, and a whole lot more. And over the next several weeks, we'll be introducing you to our regular panelists. They'll be on hand each and every episode of Every Other Thursday for our roundtable discussions. All this, along with reports on upcoming trade shows, mergers and acquisitions, and new product trends. For us, we're excited to finish the year 2019 in a strong way, and we're looking forward to entering 2020 at full tilt. And once again, we couldn't simply do it without you. Our continually growing audience of listeners we're so grateful for. So thanks again for all your support. And now for today's episode, our 60 Seconds of Shannon segment will have the very talented Shannon Talon, of course. Shannon is the category manager for tableware and buffetware at Edward Don and Company in Chicago. And in today's episode, we've got Shannon returning to once again to give us her take on emerging trends in both categories, tabletop and in buffetware. And also, in this week's news segments, we're talking about the latest activity on the M&A front, along with the latest on ghost restaurants. In our company and product segments, we've got a brand new tabletop series from a great global brand. And then finally, we've got a story on perhaps the most fun company in the hospitality tabletop sector. You won't want to miss that one. And finally, we'll finish up with a commentary on customers and a process that every customer, no matter the industry, no matter the category, goes through. All here on Seat Yourself. And so with that, let's get this end of the summer picnic started. As everyone knows by now, at Seat Yourself, we always start with our stat of the week. This week's stat of the week, 40%. That's the percentage of American adults who are not dining out as much as they'd like to, according to a report this past week on CNBC's Nightly Business Report. That's right. Two out of every five American adults would like to eat out more often, and that number is even higher when it comes to takeout and delivery. And keep in mind, this unmet pent-up demand for dining out comes as overall restaurant sales in the USA are expected to grow 3.6% in 2019. And guess what? They're expecting, and the National Restaurant Association is expecting the total sales figure for sales in restaurants this year to reach $863 billion, that's billion with a B, this year alone. And in fact, the Nightly Business Report story went on to say that today, when it comes to U.S. consumer spending, 51 cents of every dollar spent is spent on food. The report went on to interview National Restaurant Association's top researcher, Hudson Reel, who commented that today's U.S. consumer is equating restaurant usage with their standard of living. 
So, cutting back on dining out is not likely to occur anytime soon, especially with consumer spending overall remaining so strong in the U.S., and with unemployment in the U.S. at its lowest point in 50 or so years. So, our Saturday of the week this week, 40%, or two out of every five U.S. adults would like to be dining out more frequently. And, in our first news story of the week, the mergers and acquisitions in our industry continue this time on the supply chain side of the food service and hospitality business. You may have missed this one, but earlier this month, Cisco acquired Long Island, New York's J. King's Food Service Professionals, giving Cisco a stronger presence in the ever-competitive New York Metro food service business. In making the announcement, Cisco's EVP of Food Service Operations, Greg Bertrand, commented, As Cisco continues to focus on M&A as part of our overall strategic growth plan, We believe J. King's, with its strong local presence, combined with Cisco's scale and depth, will provide customers with even more of what they need to be successful in the competitive New York market area. Hmm. Cisco with M&A as a part of their strategic growth plan. An interesting comment, yet not a big surprise. I look for the overall M&A activity to continue and even accelerate in the coming months, particularly on the manufacturer side and the supply chain side. So the consolidation story on the supply chain side for both food and equipment and supplies continues. Another note on Cisco, at the same time they were announcing their acquisition, Cisco reported year-end results for the fiscal 2019 year. Overall sales increased 2.4% to $60 plus billion. Sales in the U.S. increased, however, 4.2%. Overall, gross profits increased 2.9%, with U.S. gross profits leading the way by growing at four, almost four and a half percent. Looks like the international operations of Cisco with a drag on, a, on an improving U.S. results in 2019 at Cisco. And in our next news story, a recent New York Times story once again illustrated the growth in the phenomenon known as ghost restaurants and how they're reshaping the entire restaurant industry. These are restaurants, quote unquote, that deliver only and ordering is done online and then one of the growing number of food delivery companies is bringing your meal to your home or to your office. As companies like Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub, and many others fight for both venture capital and customers, they're making it easier and much more convenient to stay in and order from our phones and computers. According to Forbes magazine, 26% of independent restaurants fail in their first year. And for those who survive, it's harder and harder to scale or to grow. With large investments for real estate, Kitchen build-outs, in labor, it gets harder and harder to start a traditional restaurant. Not so with ghost restaurants. No need for an A location, or a fancy kitchen, or even a built-out uh, dining room. Or even a kitchen at all, for that matter. Why not just share one? The proliferation of delivery services and the dining public's acceptance that it's just easier to order through their phones and eat at home, all this is changing the restaurant world. Today, it is just simply easier and less costly to start a ghost restaurant than to go the traditional route. And not just in the U.S. According to the New York Times, ghost kitchens are emerging in China and also uh, all over Europe. So what does this mean to suppliers of permanent hospitality tabletop products? Well, likely it means that although restaurant sales will continue to grow, like this week's Stat of the Week describes, it will likely be the kind of restaurant growth that does not require ceramic plates or real glassware or metal cutlery. This evolution of how consumers get their restaurant food will mean that hospitality tabletop survivors of the, of the dining off-premises trend will have to have clearly defined 
value propositions. Add to that seamless logistics and delivery systems for getting exactly the right merchandise to the traditional restaurants that they continue to serve at exactly the right time, all while providing a great buying experience as seen through their customers' eyes. Going forward, hospitality tabletop suppliers will have to have clearly defined points of difference with their competitors, or as we have said many times before, the differentiator will too often come down to price. So as kindred spirits in the world of permanent hospitality tabletop, we must all continue to preach the message that tabletop matters, all the while realizing that there are some pretty damn good disposable products out there as well. So buckle up. We never said it would be easy. We only said it would be worth it. And in our first company and product segment this week, we've talked before about Rack Porcelain and its fondness for going over the top and introducing lots and lots of new products. And while we like a lot of their new dinnerware collections, it's their new Suggestion series that has gotten our attention lately. Suggestions is a wide collection of serving pieces designed by Spanish dinnerware designer Gemma Bernal to have maximum visual impact for the dining guest. Creative chefs will enjoy any of the 10 mini collections contained in the Suggestion series. From the textured finish and irregular shaped plates and bowls of what they're calling their shaped collection, through the sensory opportunities found in their new Amaze collection. There is something for everyone in the new Suggestion series from Rack Porcelain. There's even a great new coffee and espresso set called Swirls that will tempt even the most dedicated baristas to rethink how they're serving coffee and espresso to their guests. The new Swirls collection is designed especially to improve the way coffee is swirled within the cup. So there can be no question that designing a better guest experience is at the forefront of the designs that designer Bernal and Rack Porcelain have collaborated on with their new Suggestion series. And an additional note about designer Gemma Bernal. Bernal is a native of Barcelona and an award-winning multidisciplinary industrial designer. And she's been creating street furniture, lighting, toys, appliances, and yes, even dinnerware for over 40 years. Bernal is also sought after to address conferences and to participate in exhibitions all around the world. She's also an internationally recognized academic. Bernal teaches at various higher education institutes in Argentina, Chile, Peru, Mexico, and India, all in addition to the work she does transmitting her passion to the future generations of designers at the University of Barcelona. The work that she has done in collaboration with Rack Porcelain in creating the new Suggestion series is simply living proof that the designer Gamma Bernal definitely walks her talk. So hats off to designer Bernal and to Rack Porcelain. You can learn more about designer Gemma Bernal by going to her website, gemmabernal.com, and you can learn more about the suggestion series from Rack Porcelain by going to their website, rackporcelain.com. And in our next segment, American Metalcraft is one of our favorite companies in the world of hospitality tabletop. However, it is a company that sometimes has trouble getting into the conversation when people speak about the key players in the tabletop category for restaurants and hotels. But with the wide array and the fast-changing portfolio of tabletop products that American Metalcraft has, they definitely should be a consideration for any operator at any level for those looking to energize and freshen the look of their tabletop. So, make no mistake, they have lots of front-of-the-house tabletop products and American Metalcraft is certainly at home in the back of the house, which for them is where it really all began. But products are one thing. Company culture is another. Here at Seat Yourself, 
you know that we've spent a fair amount of time talking about company culture and how important it is. Well, American Metalcraft has developed one of our industry's most interesting cultures, and one that can be measured in smiles and the fun that the company seems to be having. Not long ago, we had a chance to catch up with Matt Wills. Matt is the chief storyteller and marketing manager for American Metalcraft, and we asked him, what all, what's going on with all this fun that your company seems to be having, and how that came to be? And finally, what it is about American Metalcraft that makes it such a fun company? So, uh, I believe what makes American Metalcraft fun is the leadership we have. Uh, truly, our, our leadership allows us to have fun. They, they want us to have fun. Um, they are part of the fun. And they, they really spread that around. And they make, they, they make the job fun. So, if, we have, if we're throwing a party or we're having a, a party, every single person in the company is involved from, from David and Susan, our owners, to Rich, to Leanne, all the way down to, to um, every member of the team. Every, every member of the team is fine. We, we make sure everyone is incorporated throughout the company, um, from our warehouse people, from someone packing a box, to me making an email e-blast. Everyone is included and everyone is part of the fun. So fun is important um, at American Metalcraft because uh, it keeps morale up, right? I think if, if you encourage your employees to have fun, then everything else comes natural, right? So we have, we, we have parties consist consistently throughout the year. And when we have these parties, we make sure everyone is included. Um, our leadership has done a great job in making sure that everyone gets a gift. Every single person in the gift, we have over 150 people throughout our, our company. Every single person has a gift. Every single person has fun. Everyone's involved in the games from our ownership um, to our, our warehouse people. Uh, everyone has a good time. And I think what that does, it helps boost morale for the company, right? It, it boosts morale for employees, it boosts morale out for our company. And I think when you see uh, the activity that we do on Facebook or on Instagram throughout our company and, and our, our team projects and team picnics, you see that everyone is enjoying themselves. Everyone is having a good time. And I think that, that us doing that really helps to show that our industry is a fun industry and that uh, we're not a boring company. I think some of our fun has gone to some of our customers. I think when customers stop by our booth and they say, I see the fun that you guys are having on Facebook, and I've actually been individually pointed out. People say, like, I've seen your smiling face on Facebook. You guys are having fun. You guys are innovative. We, we like American Metalcraft. We want to come see American Metalcraft. And when you have that, when you have people coming and commenting like that, it makes this job well worth it. Uh, it makes the company fun, um, our culture fun. It's, it's really just a fun company to work for. And so, it seems that at American Metalcraft, having fun is pretty serious business. Great products come and great products go, but we continue to believe that the true differentiator going forward for most companies in our industry is going to be company culture. Customers more and more are choosing their vendors by what kind of company they are, rather than just product or even price. At American Metalcraft, more and more customers seem to be liking the fun they're seeing, and the many great products that are available from Matt and his colleagues. American Metalcraft, keeping it fun for their employees and their customers. If you want to learn more about the fun stuff happening at American Metalcraft and their wide range of fun tabletop products, be sure to check out their social media feeds or go to their website, amnow.com, A-M-N-O-W.com. You'll be glad you did. 
Now 60 Seconds with Shannon, where Dave sits down with Shannon Talon of Edward Don and Company and asks the question of the week. This week, Shannon talks about new product trends. Hi, everybody. We're back here with Shannon Talon, the Rockstar Category Manager for Tabletop and Buffetware at Edward Don and Company out of Chicago. And Shannon, the question of today is there seem to be many new product categories and product types emerging in almost every area of food service. What are some of the new products in tabletop or buffetware category that you see emerging? And are there categories you'd like to see more products, but really don't yet? Well, it's a great question, uh, Dave. You know, there definitely has been such a proliferation of subcategories and unique products. I mean, we've talked a lot about how operators in, uh, in the tabletop and buffet space are constantly looking to differentiate themselves. Um, and that need, that demand has driven a lot of the new product development uh, and uh, category development that we've seen the manufacturers and suppliers undertake. And so it's really about uh, what are the from my perspective, it's what are the uh, unique items, what are the unique shapes, profiles, and widgets that the uh, manufacturing community can bring to market that differentiate people's tabletops and buffets. I think in particular, we've seen it in the tabletop accessory category, or what we call table service. There's just a lot of cool uh, vessels um, for whether it's appetizers, uh, bread service, center of the table type of applications that we're seeing in tabletop. So I think that that tabletop accessory, table uh, top um uh, table service items, excuse me, have really uh, grown in recent years as manufacturers look to to launch items that have a lot of personality um, and bring uh, a lot of uh, almost a conversation piece or, uh, you know, a show stopping element to their tabletop, even if it's something as small as a unique bowl or, again, a unique serving vessel that that makes uh, customers or consumers stop and say, wow, that that's really cool. Or they see something being brought to the table uh, at a table across the way at a restaurant. And they're like, man, I want to order that off the menu because it's in such a cool uh, serving piece. So I agree. We've definitely seen a lot of that. I don't know that there are gap, huge gaps that, that we're necessarily seeing. It's just that our, our customers and uh, operators throughout the industry, they want to see product that's new, different, and unique. But I think the, the key element there is that it's got, to, it's got to match from an operations standpoint. It's got to be operationally logical. It's, it can look great, be really funky, be that, that conversation piece. But if, it, if over time it's really not the right fit because it either um, is challenging to clean or it's challenging to store or, or whatever the case may be, um, that's where it, you know, those products sometimes are dead in the water. So as long as it's something unique and different, but also makes sense operationally, that's where we see suppliers have a home run. Yeah, that's the one thing that we love about tabletop today, and we've been saying it for a while, is that tabletop is this is the greatest time ever for tabletop because it's, it's whatever you can imagine it to be is what tabletop is today. Uh, but keeping in mind just what you said, it also has to be practical for the back of the house and all of the considerations as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now here's Dave with this week's commentary. This week, Dave discusses the journey a customer goes on when deciding where to spend their money. In this week's commentary, I want to talk about a journey, the journey a customer goes on when deciding where to spend their money. The journey can hopefully last a lifetime. And the good news is, every customer travels the same path, no matter the industry, no matter the sector. B2C or B2B, it really doesn't matter. 
the customer journey always remains the same. Oh, some industries have different names for the checkpoints along the journey, but make no mistake, the journey itself always is the same. And it all starts with a checkpoint called awareness. This is where our potential customer first learns of our product or service, whether it's through advertising or through promotion, perhaps word of mouth, or even social media, which has become today's word of mouth, a customer must first learn that we exist. The next checkpoint in the customer journey is consideration. Once they're aware of our product or our services, the customer must then determine if they have a need and that our product or service might fulfill that need. And at this checkpoint, might is the operative word. Once we pass through the hurdles of consideration, we come to a critical point in the journey, which is called trial. At this checkpoint, our company's product or service has passed through the initial checkpoints of awareness and consideration and now becomes the first real hardcore test, an initial purchase or a trial purchase. Now, the trial checkpoint is critical on several levels, but most importantly, is our product or service all it was portrayed to be? Do we meet or exceed the customer expectations that we have created? In today's overhyped, always a shiny new object world, a company's products or service must meet and hopefully exceed each and every one of a brand promises. It is at this point that the trust phase of the relationship either begins or it doesn't. Now, assuming all has gone well during this all-important trial checkpoint, the customer will pack their initial bag of trust and proceed with us along the stop, on to the next stop along the journey called repurchase. It is here where the customer gets the opportunity to repay the initial trust that has been built up by making additional purchases of our company's products or of our services. But be warned, for the vendor companies, the repurchase checkpoint of the customer journey is the trickiest checkpoint of all. This is where the dreaded winds of complacency can blow in and blow in hard. Hardly noticed at first, these winds come in through the cracks that typically show up in unmet expectations perhaps in product quality, or maybe it's in customer service. These winds of complacency seep in ever so gently, and initially, it's only the customer who really notices. This is what makes the repurchase checkpoint so very tricky for vendor companies. Because they won't be noticed except by the customer, the vendor company must take steps to prevent and make sure the complacency winds are never allowed to enter into their customer's journey. Should we let those winds of complacency seep into our customer's journey, both of us, customer and vendor, will undoubtedly feel the cold chill of disappearing trust. Faced with dropping temperatures, you can be assured that the customer will seek the warmth of a nearby competitor. And of course, today's increasingly shrinking global marketplace assures that those welcoming competitors are never really very far away. As vendors, we can all take pride that the customer has trustingly moved along to the repurchase checkpoint, but we must do all we can to keep our burgeoning relationship with a still newfound customer warm and trusting all along the way. And while this checkpoint is indeed tricky, it is not without its rewards. For those of us who manage to keep the cool winds of complacency at bay, there also comes great opportunity. First is the opportunity to add to the growing bank account of trust that we formed with our customer. With each interaction and each touch point of the relationship comes the opportunity to make new deposits of trust. But with each reorder, the biggest opportunity of all 
lies just ahead in this journey. And remember, this is a journey that we're hopeful will last a lifetime. This is the opportunity to move to the final and most important checkpoint of all, and that's called advocacy. It is at the advocacy checkpoint in the customer journey that produces undying loyalty, but it also helps to regenerate and refill the pipeline of new customers. As current customers speak of their trust and good experiences with our company, others will take notice and want to be part of that great relationship experience. This goodwill and positive reputation is momentum building for both our company and our brand. The longer the successful momentum builds, it becomes the legacy of our company and of our products or our services. And it's all built around the idea of taking the customer on a journey. So remember, the journey can last a lifetime. And lucky for us, every customer travels the same path, no matter the industry, no matter the sector. B2C or B2B, it doesn't really matter. The customer journey always remains the same. So the question now is, when was the last time you considered taking your customers on a journey? Well, that's it for this week's episode of Seat Yourself. And as always, I want to thank the Rockstar Category Manager, Shannon Talent, for joining us today. And of course, I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in as well. And finally, I want to make a special thanks to the Edward Don and Company for sponsoring in part this episode of Seat Yourself. Edward Don and Company, everything but the food for nearly 100 years. And remember to be sure to check out their most recent Tabletop Advisor. You can download it from their website, www. Dot don dot com. Just go to the homepage and scroll down to the publications section. We'll see you next time, but always remember, Tabletop Matters. That concludes this week's episode of Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series. For more news, information, and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, be sure to check out tabletopjournal.com. Tabletop